on June 18th, 2020, in the case Department of Homeland Security versus Regiment of Uni University of California, the Supreme Court held in a five to four decision that the reasoning the Department of Homeland Security, DHS, offered in support of of its decision to rescind the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals DACA initiative was inadequate and therefore violated the Administrative Procedures Act, APA. The Supreme Court's decision means that, at least for the time being, the DACA initiative will remain in place, offering the prospect of continued relief from removal and work authorization to approximately 650,000 current DACA recipients and apparently also to eligible childhood arrivals who have not previously enrolled in the program. The decision, however, is limited in particular respects. It does not prevent the Trump administration from taking new action to rescind DACA. Indeed, the decision reaffirms that the administration has power to do so, so long as it um, supplies adequate justification under APA. The decision also does not address whether DACA itself is legal. Instead, it goes no further than to hold that in rescinding DACA, DHS has failed to think through the important issues about the available policy options and the interests of current DACA recipients. The Obama administration created DACA in 2012. The program allows certain unlawfully present non-U.S. national aliens who arrived in the United States as children to obtain deferred action and assurance that they will not face removal and work authorization, among other benefits, in a renewable two-year periods. To be eligible for DACA, aliens must meet certain criteria, including that they came to the United States under the age of 16, have continuously re 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 resided in the United States since June 15th, 2007. We're under the age of 31 on June 15, 2012 and meet other requirements related to education and lack of criminal history. On September 5, 2017, Acting DHS Secretary Elaine Duke issued a memorandum announcing her decision to rescind DACA. The memorandum relied upon a letter from then-Attorney General Jeff Sessions concluding that DACA was illegally that it lacked proper um, um, statutory authority, was an unconstitutional exercise of authority by the executive branch, and would likely be enjoined in potentially imminent l l litigation. Duke's memorandum and the Attorney General's letter also relied upon Texas versus United States, a 2015 decision by the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit. Texas held that another Obama, Obama administration initiative with two parts. One, a planned expansion of DACA, which would have covered more childhood arrivals and extended the term of relief from two years to three. And two, a planned implementation of deferred action for parents of Americans and lawful per permanent resident initiative, DAPA, likely violated the Immigration and Nationality Act, INA, and the APA. DAPA would have offered relief to certain unlawfully presented aliens with children who are U.S. citizens or lawful permanent residents. The court, the circuit court reasoned that the blanket relief afforded by DAPA and expanded DACA undermined the INA's intricate system of immigration classification and employment eligibility, and equally divided um, Supreme Court from Texas without opinion in, the, in 2016. 
Texas did not decide the legality of DACA itself, only a planned expansion of it that never went into effect. However, Duke's memorandum and Attorney General reasoned that DACA is su- su- substantially similar to the initiative at the issue in Texas, and that the case um, supported the conclusion that DACA is illegal. Duke's memorandum of September 2017 was not DHS' final statement about why it rescinded DACA. On June 22, 2018, in response to an order from the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia, then-DHS Secretary Christian Nielsen issued a memorandum to supplement the explanation in Duke's memorandum. Importantly, the Nielsen memorandum did not constitute a new decision to rescind DACA, but instead declined to disturb the original decision while providing Further explanation to support it. Nielsen memorandum, like Duke's memorandum, relied on the Fifth Circuit decision in Texas and the Attorney General letter to conclude that DACA policy was contrary to the law. But Nielsen memorandum offered additional justifications. It took the position that questions about DACA's illegality as opposed to illegality itself supported rescinding it to avoid litigation and other negative concentration of maintaining legal questionable initiatives. Further, the Nielsen memorandum articulated reasons of enforcement policy that supported the rescission, including that the need for deterrence of immigration violation makes it critically important for DHS to project a message that leaves no doubt regarding the clear, consistent, and transparent enforcement of the immigration laws against all classes and categories of aliens. In lawsuits filed by DACA, recipients and other parties, including states and universities challenging the recession as unlawful, lower court decision ruled against the government in significant respects. The decision held that the rescission was unlawful or likely unlawful under the arbitrary and capricious standard of APA, meaning essentially that DHS had not adequately explained the reasons for the recession. Recision. The decision required DHS to continue accepting DACA applications and requests for work authorization from people who had received DACA in the past, but not from people who would have been first-time DACA recipients. Thus, under the terms of these decisions, the DACA initiative, has remained partly in place even after September 2017 rescission. The, the Supreme Court granted territory to consider these three questions in a consolidated group of cases challenging the DACA rescission. One, whether DHS' decision to rescind DACA is subject to judicial review under APA. Two, whether the decision violated the APA, and three, whether the decision violated the Fifth Amendment Equal Protection Guarantee. In a majority opinion authored by Chief Justice Roberts and joined by Justice Ginsburg, Breyer, Kagan, and Sotomayor, the court held that the DACA rescission is subject to review under APA and that it violated the APA. The court also voted... 821 to reject the plaintiff's claim that the rescission violated equal protection, with Justice, um, Justice um, Sotomayor as the lone dissenting vote. The majority opinion 
began by emphasizing that DHS has undisputed authority to rescind DACA and that the case was instead primarily about the procedure the agency followed in doing so. In other words, there was no question that DHS, as agency charged with enforcing immigration laws, can rescind DACA. The question in the case was simply whether the way the DHS rescinded DACA violated the APA or other laws. On ju judicial review question, the government had argued that DACA rescission constitutes a quintessential exercise of enforcement discretion and therefore falls within a provision barring APA review of agency actions that are committed to the agency's discretion by law. Just as courts generally cannot review exercises of prosecutorial discretion and the criminal context about which offenders to pursue, the government argued that this provision means that APA bars judicial review of DHS' decision to terminate its di discretionary policy of not pursuing the removal of some childhood arrivals. The court rejected the argument. It reasoned that DACA is more than a non-enforcement policy. Beyond directing DHS officials to consider not pursuing the removal of some unlawfully presented aliens, the DACA memorandum sets up a system whereby childhood arrivals could apply to DHS for affirmative immigration relief. That included deferred action, work authorization, and other benefits. Thus, by rescinding DACA, DHS did more than simply change its mind about how to enforce the removal provisions in the INA against a segment of the unauthorized population. The DACA rescission also took away a system for delivering adjudication immigration benefits. This action the court held is subject to review under the APA. The second question about the legality of the rescission under the APA essentially boiled down to whether DHS had provided sufficient um, supporting reasoning. The APA provides that agency actions are unlawful if they are arbitrary and capricious, a standard that requires federal agencies to provide satisfactory explanations for their decisions, including decisions to change existing policies. Agencies run afoul of this standard if they fall, fail to consider important aspects of the problems before them. The court begins its analysis of this issue by concluding that the additional justifications for the rescission in the Nelson Memorandum were impermissibly post hoc. An agency must defend its action based on the reason it gave when it acted. The court reasoned. Because Secretary Nielsen opted to expand on acting um, Secretary Duke reasoning instead of taking new action to rescind DACA, the court concluded that it could not consider Secretary Nielsen's conclusion that two factors not considered in the Duke Memorandum, legal uncertainty and enforcement policy, justified the rescission. Rather, the court limited itself to assessing the adequacy of the sole justification that acting Secretary Duke offered for the rescission, that DACA was unlawful. The court held that the justification impermissibly failed to consider two aspects of the problem that DHS faced about DACA's future. First, although DHS may well have been bound by the Attorney General's conclusion that DACA in its current form was unlawful, this legal conclusion did not necessarily require DHS to rescind DACA in its entirety. Both the Attorney General letter and the Texas decision on which it relied 
conclude that DHS conferral of eligibility for certain benefits, such as work authorization eligibility for some social security programs upon categories of unlawfully present aliens through DACA and DAPA violated INA. Given this reasoning, the court concluded DHS should have at least explored the possibility of continuing to grant DACA recipients protection from removal while terminating their eligibility for benefits. Although the court made clear that APA did not require DHS to adopt this policy option, DHS' failure to even consider the option made the rescission arbitrary and capricious in the majority's view. Similarly, when DHS decided to rescind DACA, it failed to consider the merited way in which DACA recipients and those connected to them have come to rely on the program for their educational, professional, and personal endeavors they have developed under its process. Although APA did not require DHS to accommodate these reliance interests, it did require DHS to at least consider them before taking action to rescind the program in the majority's view. On the equal protection question, the Chief Justice wrote a plurality opinion for the four justices that concluded that the plaintiffs had not plausibly alleged that the rescission was motivated by an envious purpose as required to state as an equal protection claim. The plaintiff had alleged that discrimination against Latinos motivated the rescission, but the priority deemed their supporting evidence was inadequate. Four other Justice Thomas, Alito, Gorchus, and Kavanaugh concurred in the court's judgment on this issue, but did not join the Chief Justice's opinion. Justice Sotomayor dissented on this issue and would have held that the evidence of disparaging statements made by President Trump and Mexican immigrants, among other allegations by the plaintiffs, suffice to allow the equal protection claim to move forward. The principal dissent authored by Justice Thomas and joined by Justices Alito and Gorchus argued that DACA is, in fact, illegal because DHS lacks um, statutory authority to grant relief from removal out of the whole cloth to a large category of aliens. It defies all logic and common sense to conclude that a statutory um, scheme as detailed as the INA, the dissent stated it's um, simultaneous capricious enough for DHS to grant lawful present to almost 2 million illegal aliens with the stroke of a cabinet secretary's pen. The dissent would have held that DACA's unlawfulness adequately justified the recession. Recession. The dissent also criticized the majority for requiring DHS to adhere to APA procedural requirements when rescinding a policy that is illegal, opening that the majority's Holding effectively requires agencies to continue administering unlawful programs that inherited from a previous administration. In individual dissent, Justice Lito opened that the majority in the lower court had overstepped constitutional boundaries in blocking DHS from revolving a policy issue within its power, while Justice Kavanaugh argued that the majority erred in disregarding the Nielsen Memorandum. The full effects of the um, Supreme Court's decision will only become clear with time, but at this point, there are some immediate impacts to note. For DACA recipients, the Supreme Court decision means that DACA initiative remains intact for now. Indeed, because the court vacated DHS 
rescission of DACA, it appears that the decision restores the program fully to the form in which it existed before the rescission, at least for now. Lower court orders had allowed DHS to stop considering DACA recipients for advanced parole and to stop considering application for first-time DACA relief. Those original aspects of the program would appear to be active again until, unless DHS takes some new action to terminate them. The decision does not, however, resolve the larger uncertainties about DACA. DHS could still terminate the initiative by taking action that complies with APA requirements. And because the um, Supreme Court did not decide whether DACA itself is legal, that issue remains a subject of disagreement among lower courts. It is even possible that a future administration could restore DACA if this um, administration succeeds in rescinding it. As with most immigration issues, Congress has ultimate authority to decide the future of DACA through passing a bill. Congress could terminate the program by defunding it or through substantial legislation that clearly prohibits DHS from granting the types of protections that the program currently provides. Alternatively, Congress could strip DHS of funding to take any action rescinding DACA or substantially enact a law clarifying that DHS has authority to run problematic deferred action programs that confer collateral benefits. Or, along the lines of American Dream and Promise Act of 2019 passed by the House and Con- House, Congress could grant DACA recipients and perhaps other childhood rivals um, statutory relief, which could include, among other possibilities, protection from removal, elig- eligibility for um, benefits, and a pathway to lawful permanent resident status.